Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin all out. Bart Scott, Jen Latta in. We've been taking your calls. Like Shane Falco. You know what I'm saying? Can I be Shane Falco? Yeah, you can be Shane Falco. You want the ball? Yes. Winners always do. That's right. Uh, you can call us anytime, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We've been asking you all morning long, which players are you most looking forward to watching in the preseason? And Bart wanted to expand it to, just in general, what players are you looking forward to seeing out there on the field in 2021? So we've had people say OBJ. We've had people say Jordan Love. We've had folks say Justin Fields. Who is it for you? Who are you most looking forward to? I said Najee Harris, and hopefully we get a good look at him tonight when the Cowboys take on the Steelers in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, And we've been talking about Hall of Famers. In fact, whenever this conversation comes up, people start debating what exactly is the criteria for getting in the Hall of Fame. And there are some people who believe that it should just be it's an easy yes or no. It's black and white, right? It's a zero or a one. You're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. And if I have to think about it, if I have to sit there and debate it and start putting together a pros and cons list, yes. then you're not a Hall of Famer. Where do you stand on that part? Well, the shades are gray, right? It, all, it always is. Nothing is just black and white. And sometimes you got to think about the periods, right? Because you look at guys that are going to have bloated numbers now that plays in this era of you know passing the ball all the time, right? It's more about athleticism, using all – uh, the football field. So that's difficult when you're trying to compare that to somebody that played during the ground and pound era, right? So I think you have to understand for me, it's about did you dominate your league or did you dominate, you know, the, the period in which you played for like five or six years where you like considered one of the top five players at your position and how heavily were you having to be game plan for, right? So we have like the the fans and the reporters uh, favorite, but were you one of the football players' favorite? That's why I feel like you have to get more former athletes Input. on this. Yep. On the, yeah, because not all things are created equal, right. right? Because you know, like players know, right? Who was real and who wasn't real. And sometimes there are just names that are very recognizable, whether yeah, it was the big name in a certain market. Certain markets end up carrying. I'll give you a perfect, you a perfect name, right? And a guy that's probably going to be on the outside looking into into the Hall of Fame. But he played with one of the worst organizations, right? Geno Atkins, right? Geno Atkins, if you look at his numbers and what he's been and the fact that he's done it without a lot of good teammates around him, the degree of difficulty is a lot harder for a guy like Geno Atkins than, say, uh, somebody like uh, Terrell Sucks, who I think is right on the outside looking at one of my former teammates. But you have to consider he was with a great organization and who he had next to him. He had a Haloti Nada. He had you know, Elvis Dumerville. He had Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. Right. So like not all things are created equally. And I think that these are factors that should be taken into consideration when you consider who's a Hall of Famer and who who isn't. Well, we're talking about Hall of Famers. I want to continue this conversation with you, Bart, but we got to get to our now our guest who is on the Goodyear hotline. It is Cowboys legend and now Hall of Fame wide receiver Drew Pearson, who will be inducted into the Hall of Fame in Canton this weekend. Drew, great to have you on the show. Congratulations on such a successful career. Three time Pro Bowler, three time all pro a super bowl champion as well great to have you how are you feeling as you are now just a few days away from being inducted in the hall of fame yeah first of all uh thanks for having me uh i've been doing a lot of interviews and i haven't turned down any so i appreciate you guys having me on uh with you today uh i'm excited the feeling is uh continues to escalate as we get closer and closer to august 8th but now that I'm in Canton, 
uh, the excitement. I don't even think I used the airplane to get here. I think I was walking <laughs> on air to get here because I was so excited uh, about the opportunity. And then, you know, while you're flying here, everybody recognizes you all of a sudden as a Hall of Famer. And they start thanking you and congratulating you and telling you deserve it and that type of thing. So, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame is in itself going in is really special. But all the things are surrounding it and the opportunities that you get because of it makes it even more special. I mean, Drew, I can only dream about what it feels like <laughs> to be a Hall of Famer because I'll never get to those heights. But you're going to the uh, – Unfortunately. To no, you, you're going to yeah. – it is what it is. But, you know, you've earned the right, right? You, you, you're going to be immortalized, yes. you know, coming up. And, you know, it took you a <laughs> long time to get there and maybe too long. You know, is all forgiven or, or how was the journey and how do you feel um, now that you finally got in and you got that knock on the door? Oh, yeah, all is forgiven. This is the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know. Whenever it comes, you're just satisfied and thankful and blessed that you did. You do get that knock and it's in, it, in it, uh, the words on the other side of that knock or the, uh, is uh, positive that you're going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, you know, I waited a long time, but, you know, this is something you wait for, no matter how long it takes. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the thing about it, guys, is, when uh, we got together at the Super Bowl, my class, we got together for the first time. You know, I got three first ballot guys. I got Calvin Johnson, Charles Woodson, and Peyton Manning going in for the first time. And, of course, with Al Panica and uh, the great coach Tom Flores and uh, uh, John Lynch as well. But when we got together, the first ballot guys seemed as just excited as me. And I was just as excited as those guys. So the point is, it doesn't matter how long it takes it's how you wait to get in because the wait is definitely worthwhile. And now, you know, when you look back, you don't even think about the wait. Yeah, you know, you don't think about 38 years. All you think about is now that you're going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and you're going in with a class that has a lot of integrity, athletic greatness, and, man, they say it's one of the best classes uh, going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So that makes it all worthwhile, Bart, uh, to uh, experience this and experience it with the class that I'm going in with. Drew Pearson joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. They call him the original 88, and it is so great to chat with him this morning, just a few days before he is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, You know, one of the biggest things that guys talk about is having to write that speech. Right, it gets a little nerve wracking. You want to make sure you remember everybody. Yeah. You want to make sure you tell a, a story, maybe a little laughter here and there. Have you written your speech? Are we good to go on that? How are we feeling about delivering this very important speech this weekend? Oh yeah, the speech is definitely written. Uh, we had to turn in our first draft to the hall. Uh, I guess to critique it or whatever they do, but we're limited in our time that we have to present for ex- uh, an acceptance speech. So. It has to be tight, and you have to really focus on why you're there. And for me, uh, I'm going to focus on the NFL, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the organization, my teammates. And then all you have time for, really, is your family, and you focus on that. And, uh, you know, guys, I was putting my speech together as I was writing it, and tears came to my eyes. So you guys better get your tissue ready 
I might make y'all cry when I deliver my speech. And I appreciate that you're going to follow the rules, that you're being respectful of the, the parameters that they have in place. But, Drew, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? You go along. They're not playing you off. Wrap this isn't the Academy me, yeah. Awards. They're not, they're not grabbing a cane and hooking you off. I mean, I've seen the guys. Coming out. They're not doing that. So, you know, I say you, you turn in the speech, and then maybe you ad lib a little here and there. Right? You're already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, don't, they're give, not away, kicking don't give away my game plan. Okay? I mean, <laughs> they're not I've kicking you out. I've been thinking about doing that, for sure. But, but yeah, I've been thinking about doing that. And, yeah, it's going to be tough. And, uh they got me going first, so I pity the guys that have to follow me because you guys know I can shout pretty loud without a microphone. I don't need a microphone to get a message across. And so uh, even if they cut me off, they might, <laughs> I, not, I might not be cut off simply because they do. But they're being really restrictive about this, and uh, we're all trying to uh, abide by the rules of, uh, that they want us to abide by in this situation. You know, we wish we could express ourselves like like Ray Lewis did when he took 48 minutes to deliver his uh, acceptance speech. Uh, uh, but we're not going to get that opportunity. So we got to condense it and uh, make sure we uh, uh, focus on uh, why we're here in that in uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And like I said, for me, it's the NFL, Dallas Cowboys, and my family. Oh, Drew Jen said something that really stuck out to me. Uh, she said you were the original 88, and since then you've had the guys like Michael Irvin, C.D. Lamb, you know, now. You know, and, and what, what do you feel about that? You're one of the very few Hall of Famers or athletes that started with one team and only played for one organization. How much pride do you take in that, and how much pride do you take in the fact that, you know, 88 is only given to a receiver that they hold to the standards of you? Yeah, that's a big deal for me. There's no question because, you know, the, all the great players that have played for the Cowboys that wore the numbers, uh, Emmett Smith, a Hall of Famer, number 22, Bob Hayes, a Hall of Famer, number 22. Uh, we got other guys that are, you know, like a Bob Lilly, number 74, and number 12 with Roger Staubach, 33 with Dorsett. So many guys that numbers they could treat the same way, but they don't. And for some reason, they treat the number 88 that way. Now, guys, I'm not the original number 88. <laughs> and the reason it was available when I came in as a rookie is because the guy that had it the year before, Ron Sellers, was traded to the Miami Dolphins for Otto Stowe. And that's why the number was available. When I retired, I started calling myself the original number 88. And God, the fans just so kind of marketing. picked up on it. And then here comes Michael Irvin. You know, when I was working for a local TV station, they sent me out there to greet Michael uh, when he first came to town on my assignment, and uh, we get off, he gets off the plane, and he says, Drew, man, good to see you and all that, but, man, they want me to wear number 88. Is that okay? I said, Michael, first of all, it's not my number. Second of all, if you do wear it, don't do what I did in it. Do more than I did in it. And, wow, look what Michael did in that number. So now we got something going. Now we got a legacy going. And then they preserve it and not and not use it until Des Bryant comes along. And his first year, eight years wearing that number, uh, he lived up to the double ace. There's no question. He retired or left the Cowboys as their touch, the all-time touchdown leader for the Dallas Cowboys wearing double ace. And so now it's CeeDee Lamb uh, wearing it, and they designated and uh, picked him out uh, special to wear this number. So I really appreciate the Dallas Cowboys doing this and treating this number that way. And everywhere I go, that's what people call me. 
the original '88, and uh, I really, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I hope you own that, man. Before I, before I mess around and go on GoDaddy and buy it from you, go, <laughs> just go yes, trademark sir. it. Uh, can you tell we are bad influences, Drew? Can you tell that you should just not, should not hang out with us for very long? Uh, Drew Pearson, Cowboys Hall of Fame wide receiver, who is going into the Hall of Fame this weekend, joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline. He was also on the receiving end of Roger Staubach's famous hail mary pass versus the Vikings back in 1975. That, of course, the pass that brought us the Hail Mary name. And the Cowboys will be well represented in Canton this weekend. Uh, Cliff Harris going in, Jimmy Johnson going in, and, of course, our guest right now, Drew Pearson. Drew, thank you for taking the time to hang out with us. Enjoy this weekend. Soak it all in, sir. I will. Thank you guys for having me. All right? The original number 88. No doubt. That is Drew Pearson on the Goodyear Hotline. Drew waited an awful long time to get into the Hall of Fame. In fact, the images of him and his family sitting around waiting for the call last year, that's one of those viral moments that you remember. But they say that the sweet is never as sweet without the sour, and I'm sure that that's the case for Drew Pearson and his long wait. It got us thinking, though, about some of the best players who are still waiting to get into the Hall of Fame, and Bart has that list. His top five players not in the Hall of Fame, but should be. I wasn't ready. We're going already? Let's do it. wasn't ready. Number five. (laughs) Give him some milk. I tell you what, man, this is Mr. West Coast himself. I mean, you talk about 10,000 yards rushing, but that's not the impressive thing. 4,000 yards, over 4,000 yards receiving, 78 TDs. My number five guy that get need to get in the hall, Tricky Ricky Waters, baby. Give Ricky, Ricky Waters some respect. Number four. Number five, I tell you what, man, you talk about the greatest show on turf. It couldn't be the greatest show on the turf without this guy. He was the third leg of that three-headed monster. You think about Isaac Bruce. You think about Marshall Falk that's already in. Will you please put some respect on Torrey Hall's name? 13,000 yards receiving, 920 receptions, 74 TDs. He was one of the most important pieces of the greatest show on turf. I don't care if his fingers go in 18 different directions. Give this man the respect that he deserves and put him in the hall. Number three. I tell you what, the president was started maybe a couple of years ago when Terrell Davis went in because he had a much shortened career. And we could think about if he was continued to be able to play without the injuries, what he could have been. Bo Jackson comes to name, a guy that could have been a great player. Gail Sayers, who had a short career, is a Hall of Famer. Then why in the hell isn't Sterling Sharp in the Hall of Fame? You talk about a guy that played seven years, over 8,000 yards receiving, 65 TDs. And as a Detroit Lions fan, he was a show enough problem. I think he needs to get his respect. I think the president has already been set with Terrell Davis going in. Give the man his gold jacket. Sterling Sharp, the best out of the Sharp brothers. Number two. Number two. Once again, a guy that just doesn't get any respect. I know Rodney Dangerfield says he didn't get any respect. Well, Rodney Harrison, it might might just be in the name because Rodney Harrison doesn't get the respect. If John Lynch is a Hall of Famer, where my one shot? I'll say that again. If John Lynch is a Hall of Famer, then Rodney Harrison is showing sure up a Hall of Famer. You talk about a guy with 34 interceptions, over 1,200 tackles in his illustrious career. He was the human hit stick. You had to change the rule. You had to pay $200 when passing go when you came across the middle because this man would knock your head off. Get Rodney. See, I almost called him Rodney Dangerfield. Give Rodney Harrison his respect. Put him in the hall. Number one. 
I remember coming into the league, and Mike Singletary himself, who stands about 5'10", told me, Bart, greatness comes in every shape and size. And listen, just because a guy isn't a great talker, just because he isn't a great self-promoter, doesn't mean he isn't a Hall of Famer. When you talk about over 1,300 tackles, 39 sacks as a linebacker, London Fletcher, Super Bowl champion, a guy that you can pencil in for his entire 16-year career, never missed a game. The true definition of an R man in one of the toughest positions in all of football. Put some respect on London Fletcher's name and just give him a booster seat because I know he can't see over the steering wheel at 5'11". Put him in the hall. Dick Vermeil has said that London Fletcher was to our defense what Kurt Warner was to our offense. I think that's a pretty good assessment. That's there. high praise. When you talk about how valuable Kurt Warner was, and of course people know about Kurt Warner because he was the quarterback of the team. Uh, I did put a few other ones together just for your consideration. Obviously, I work in Wisconsin. Leroy Butler is a name that has been thrown out there a lot, and obviously it's gained a little bit more momentum when Steve Atwater was yeah. put in the Hall of Fame because Leroy head-to-head has better numbers than Atwater. Now, you never want to make it go, well, he's better than him, stat, yeah. but once they made that, like you said, the precedent, they set a yep. precedent, it seems like he should be next. Uh, and then I had Reggie Wayne. Is Reggie Wayne not in the Hall of Fame? He'll get there. He'll get there. Edge is going in and Edge had to wait a little bit. You know, you look at the outside end, Heinz Ward definitely should be a Hall of Famer. You know, I mean, he's inducting um, Alan Fanica into the Hall of Fame. He should get, you know, real cozy and get used to making his trip and start preparing for what the weekend would be when he gets in because I hated him. But he was one of the best and one of the toughest guys that was converted from a quarterback all the way to a Hall of Famer. He should be in the Hall. Played his entire career with one team, that, of course, being the Colts. I think he had a cup of coffee preseason maybe with New England at the very, very end of his career. Yeah, but we, most people know him. We don't remember him. that. We don't remember Exactly. They remember that, him that never happened. Colts uniform. Yeah, that's right. The internet never lies. Um, I will say this, because you and I have been talking about this a little bit, the criteria. There are guys that you look at them, and it is very clear they are first ballot, no doubt or no questions mm-hmm. asked, Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning is an example. Charles Woodson is an example. Guys going in this year. But then what ends up being kind of like that tiebreaker type thing is tenure you were saying you should have to play a certain number of years in the league three is too few so yeah. what is the threshold for you I mean when you talked about Sterling Sharp I think he played seven years in yeah. the league and they, it was injury you know he had injuries that played yeah, he his hurt, career he hurt his neck but um so so what is it is it four is it five is there a number that you in your mind you go at, if you got if you played five years if you at least played five years and your numbers are up there with the greatest in the game you just w- you just need six dominant years I mean, five dominant years, I mean, you talk about where you were the best at your position, right? Because a lot of these guys aren't going to have a lot of Pro Bowls, right? Because Pro Bowl is a, is a popularity contest. But you look at all pros. You look at the impact in the game. You, you look at what teams had to do to stop you, you, you and, and what you did when, even when they set their whole defense or offense to time to take you out. Like, what were you? Like, were you? we know it when we see it, and we know that Sterling Sharp was a problem. You talk about a guy that his entire career has never had less than 1,000 yards in a season, and I don't even think he played in a whole 16-game yeah, season. Yeah, led the so, league in receptions three different times. Right. It is so, so if he left the, led the league in receiving it, it, it three times, he only played seven years, and if, if he's a guy that had over 1,000 yards, and 1,000 yards is the gold standard for a receiver, and he's never had less than 1,000 yards, how the hell is he not a Hall of Famer? The other thing that we talk about is, you know, I've even seen our colleague Jeff Saturday's name thrown out there. Uh, and deep on those lists, you know, you did top yeah. five. It's probably more in the 20s. I don't know, Saturday, I don't know if I would put Saturday I don't there. know how you quantify greatness at the center position. Like these, oh, you know, it's, it's easy. 
Tell it's me. Easy. It's easy. It's How about, many sacks you gave up? No, no, no. It's not about the sacks. It's about the domination. It's about your ability to really be impactful in the run game. It's impactful and also being you know, a guy that, you know, most centers are, are good in, in run game but may not be good as far as pass protection. Like, we know it when we see it. We, I know for a fact. I don't, you don't have to ask me. I can look and say, okay, man, Rodney Hudson, Hall of Famer, right? He ain't even retired yet. I can look at Nick Mango, Hall of Famer. I can look at, I forget which one, Marquise, Mars, whatever, Pouncey. You know, in Pittsburgh, Hall of Famer. I don't have to ask. I don't even have to hesitate. Jeff Friday was, you know, Hall of Very, Saturday. Very Good. Saturday, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, very, Jeff was the Hall of Very, Very, Very Good. Right. Right. But, you know, the Hall of Fame is reserved for great players. In my opinion, Nick Mango, Pouncey, Rodney Hudson, Hall of Famer. Okay. And this came up, obviously, recently when Julian Edelman retired. And people were trying to say that because of his postseason career, he should get some consideration for the Hall of Fame, to which a lot of people said, nah, man, that's bunk. That's bull. Like, yeah, let's not yeah. even. It's okay yeah. for guys to have been very, very good, yeah. especially in the postseason, because that's when your performances okay. matter the most, and not be in the Hall of Fame. And I think we need to wrap our brains around that distinction. Like, there has to be a ledge. Yeah. There has to be a line of delineation between the greatest to play the game game at their mm-hmm. position and then those who are just really really good maybe even especially good during crunch time but still don't deserve to be you know in in the hallowed halls of Canton yeah I mean I mean Julian Elliman should be extremely uh proud of his career and I he's mean, got rings yeah, he's right got rings right so it's like listen everybody can't listen Hall of Fame is the best of the best you're already part of the one percent you know to even make it to the NFL and if you're able to be as good as Julian Edelman was and be able to be as clutch as he was I mean I think you know getting the admiration of his peers is enough you know what I mean but Hall of Famer at some point we got to cut the, we got to draw the line and even within the Hall of Fame you got the Hall of Famers of Hall of Famers right you got guys that like you know it's, people don't realize it's different levels in the Hall of Fame you know some people got got the got the sweet some people just in general omission you know what I'm saying? It's nothing to be ashamed of, but we got to agree at some point we got to have our – we got so many people in, it's got to be a top five of the top five, right? You know what I mean? It's like a big difference between – And I think that goes back to what I said before about the guys where you just look at them. And, you know, like it's like the guys that you inducted into the Hall of Fame and you didn't need to list their resume. You didn't need to tell yeah. about their accolades. You could just say their name, Brett Favre. Yeah. You know, and people are going, yep, Hall of Famer. No Philip Rivers, that. you got to pause. Like, Correct. Ah, but Peyton he, Manning, who's yeah. going in this weekend, no questions asked, Hall of Famer. Okay, he became cardiac Kemba at MSG. Can he now resuscitate the Knicks? That's next on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. For the Knicks to finally get someone like that has a name, he's coming back home to New York. He's undersized, so there are defensive issues and all that. I understand the size issues, and when they get to the playoffs, I just think that he is going to succeed there. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin here. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Bart Scott. I'm Jen Latta holding it down for the guys, and we are so pleased hey, to be yo. joined. Here it is. Give it to me. I don't tell what I really want from Stephen A. Oh, what do you really want from Stephen A? I want the truth. The truth. Okay. Stephen A. Smith joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline. Great to hear from you, Stephen A. Always a pleasure. And we get to talk about your Knicks. You know, I know the other day you were waxing poetic about about the uh, acquisitions to the Lakers, specifically Carmelo Anthony, but you are a Knicks fan at heart. Your reaction to them bringing Julius Randle and Kemba Walker to the squad? Well, I'm good with it. I think that uh, when you look at Julius Randle, uh, it's right about the number that he deserved. When you see some of these $200 million contracts and what have you, clearly he wasn't somebody that deserved that. When you talk about his four-year extension, obviously for a max deal for him was around that number, anywhere from 110 to $120 million. I think it's about right. When you average 24 and 10, you're the most improved player uh, in the world. Um, you still got um, tremendous upside. You can invest that kind of money. It's close to $30 million a year. That's about right for him. And I think he deserves that, plus it still gives them some cap maneuverability. In the case of Kimball Walker, my question is only about his knees. It's not about his heart. It's not about his guts. And it's certainly not about his game. Because when healthy, we know what he's capable of. When he know, we know what he's doing. When you couple all of that with the fact that he's a Bronx native and he'll be coming back home and he'll be highly motivated, that definitely uh, is a plus for well as well for the Knicks. And I think that they've upgraded at the guard position. Uh, because you've got him and you retain Derrick Rose and you still got Emmanuel quickly. So I think you're really good at the point guard spot, assuming that both he and Derrick Rose can remain healthy. When you look at Fournier coming in, uh, the, I'm, I'm not that high on Fournier. He's no scrub. I know he can play. I know he's good for 17 or 18 a night. I know he can hit a perimeter shot. He certainly can hit a three. Um, and to get him at the number of $78 million, I certainly like that. Because, again, it wasn't an exorbitant amount of money when you consider the today's NBA economy, the cap space, et cetera, et cetera. So all those things being considered, I think we look at the Knicks right now, and although we view their ceiling as being something that's going to be approximately uh, the Eastern Conference semifinals, at least they're not taking a step back. I'm happy about that, and we go from here. CNA, that's what that's what I really wanted to ask you because th- this team was the fourth seed last year, but we know that was fool's gold. If if Miami would have been healthy and then had the COVID outbreak, we would have think that maybe they mm-hmm. would have been a little bit farther behind. Where would you put the Knicks before the Kimba um, deal, and where would you put them after in the Eastern Conference? Pack in order. Well, I think I, I, I think that they're top five seed in the Eastern Conference. I think without Kimber, you're talking a sixth or seventh seed. I think with him, you're talking a top five seed. Now, obviously, you've got Brooklyn and Milwaukee, Philadelphia. You've got Miami and Atlanta to consider. I think the New York Knicks have an opportunity to squeeze in between Miami and Atlanta uh, during an 82-game regular season. Uh, The way that Thibodeau has those dudes playing defense night in and night out, um, I definitely think that they can end up finishing as a top-five seed in the Eastern Conference. That's how I view them right now, and I'm good with that. Stephen A. Smith joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. I noticed that you didn't mention Chicago, who obviously made a lot of moves over the last week or so. They last made the playoffs, I think, 2017, I want to say, so trying to end that drought. Um, Do you like the moves that the Bulls made, or do you think they didn't do enough to put them clearly in the top five that you just listed? I don't think they did enough. Um, I I like the fact that Lonzo Ball is, is, is a point guard. Listen, he can play. He's not a scrub, but I've never been exceptionally high on him because of his lack of assertiveness. 
Um, I know that he can defend. I know that he can play the point guard spot at a corner. I know that he can clearly pass, but he's not his brother. His brother is a guy in the mellow ball that's the reigning rookie of the year that's a special talent that's very, very aggressive and very assertive. Um, I once had some, an executive told me he can't really shoot that well, but he doesn't know it, and you can't tell him that because he's putting that damn ball up. That's LaMelo's attitude. Whereas Lonzo came into the league looking as if he was perfectly content to dribble the ball past half court and then pass and go hide in a corner. And so for me, that's one of the reasons of all the years that I've known Irving Magic Johnson. It's the one argument we got into. I begged him, don't draft that kid. Draft the Aaron Fox out of Kentucky. That's the guy. Don't draft this guy. But Lonzo was from Chino Hills. Uh, he started UCLA. He had box office appeal, and if you're the Lakers, uh, you're going to take that into consideration, and that's the direction that you decided to go in, so be it. In the end, what it comes down to is that now as we look at Chicago, I think about Zach Levine, and that is a dude that I have clamored to be in New York for quite some time. I love me some Zach Levine. I think the brother can play. Um, I think he's a skywalker. I think he would electrify the garden. It's a damn shame that he's in Chicago. Uh, but they definitely have an upside as long as they have him around. I get it. It's just that I look at Chicago, and I just think that there are too many steps that they have to take to squeak into that top five spot in the Eastern Conference, and I don't see them doing the things that they did. I don't think, I don't see it being so significant that that ends up happening. Hey, Stephen A., I just want to switch sports just for a second. Uh, they say a blind squirrel finds – even a blind squirrel finds a nut. At what point are we expecting the uh, Dallas Cowboys to finally live up to their preseason expectations? I don't know why the hell you asking me that. My answer would be <laughs> never. I mean, I don't know why you're asking me that. Um, I, I think that uh, the Dallas Cowboys are clearly an elite team on the offensive side of the ball. As long as Dak Prescott is healthy with the weapons that you have, Ezekiel Elliott coming out of the backfield and Gallup and C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper as your wideouts, you get any kind of protection for Dak Prescott and he's healthy. You expect big things from them offensively, defensively. I love the fact that this kid, Micah Parsons, is, is, is I think he's going to be a stud for them. Uh, their defense is going to be vastly improved because it can't get much worse. And I think as a result, in all fairness, we can anticipate that the Dallas Cowboys are going to win NFC East. Mm. My point is, how much is that really, really saying? Because we spent the year calling them the NFC least, and that's how we look at it from right now. So in the end, you know, you're going to have those disgusting, nauseating Cowboy fans everywhere, like cockroaches, a nuclear bomb could drop, and somehow, some way, one of them will come out and survive. You know that about the <laughs> Dallas Cowboy fan base. But in the end, what it comes down to is that you know, the expectation is always Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. But it's been 25 years and counting that that, doesn't, that hasn't happened. And I strongly suspect that at the end of the season, it'll be 26 years. Stephen A. Smith joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Bart Scott, Jen Latta holding down the fort. Uh, let's turn to USA Basketball. They obviously punched their ticket to the gold medal game taking on France. I think a lot of people were hoping it would be Slovenia so that they could see Luka Doncic, but it was 90-89 this morning. Um, what have you made of the performances you've seen from the KDs, the Drew Holidays, et cetera, out there? Um, you think this team I mean, is going to win the gold? Because anything less than that is considered a huge disappointment. 
Well, I definitely think they're going to win the gold. I definitely think they're going to beat France. I thought they were going to beat Australia, and that's exactly what they did. I didn't expect them to have to overcome a 15-point first-half deficit, mm-hmm. but give Australia credit. They knew they were going to play the United States. They planned for it for a long time. They care a great deal like that. They got an experienced veteran like Patty Mills to help lead the way, who dropped 15 points, and we saw that Drew Holiday had to ultimately put him on lock and key in order to neutralize what Australia was doing. But in the end, when you look at Team USA, let's just call it what it is. You know, when we look at the NBA as it as it's presently constructed, we've got a league that's over 70% black, but you've got a number of European players in the game. The game has been globalized, successfully so, I might add. And it's no longer going to be a cakewalk. Whether it's Spain, whether it's Australia or somebody else, you're gonna these teams are gonna be able to give you a run for your money. It's just that's just the reality of the situation. And you've got to pay attention to that. Team USA went into this competition not believing they needed bigs. And so as a result, they were severely undersized or bam out of bio and Draymond Green essentially as their bigs, unless you want to count JaVel McGee as somebody that's gonna get some playing time. In the end, it still comes down to Durant. It comes down to the Drew Holiday. It comes down to an ability to defend on the perimeter, to make perimeter shots, and to be stars. And I'm of this mindset that even if we lost, as bad as that would be, my whole point is I don't believe that America has dipped in terms of its quality of athletes and what have you, that the only way you go to the Olympics is to send the best of the best to put LeBron out there, to put all your top American players out there. I think there are enough stars in the NBA that if they're committed, they should be able to go on the international stage and still beat anybody. I truly, truly believe that. And so I'm happy that they're in the gold medal game. I anticipate that they'll win. And I'm happy. I'll be very, very happy if they pull that off because everybody on that team is not a quote-unquote A-lister. But I have never believed that Team USA needs to do that in order to win gold. And I think it's important to send that message, just like it's important to send the message that it's not just one coach. I love the fact that Greg Popovich is there, and I hope that next go-round it's another coach there. I was adamantly opposed to Mike Krzyzewski, coaching the Olympics in 2008, 12, and 16. I didn't mind him doing it one, but I thought it gave him a clear, decisive advantage as a collegiate coach to be coaching Team USA that was to the detriment of opposing collegiate coaches that had to compete with him from a recruiting standpoint and otherwise. I didn't think that was fair. And I think that when you look at the athletes and I think that when you look at the coaches, we're so great we should be able to send new guys every four years and still win. That's how I feel about it. Always insightful stuff from our friend Stephen A. Smith, a Hall of Famer on this Hall of Fame day game tonight in the NFL. Appreciate you, Stephen A. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, all Take care. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin is brought to you by Goodyear. Movement is always driving us forward, whether it's on the track, the court, or on the field. Every move we make, every road we choose to go down, and every single mile marker we pass leads us to find out just how far we can go. Goodyear, more driven. Who are you most looking forward to seeing for your favorite NFL team during the preseason? We put the call out all morning long, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. It's Caller Roulette after Bart has this from DoorDash. 
DoorDash here with the summer of Dash Pass. Right now, Dash Pass members are taking $10 off groceries, alcohol, pet food, and more. Need a nightcap? $10 off. Got a cough? Get relief delivered for less. Want to surprise your crush? Send a gift and save. Try Dash Pass for free and get special savings, exclusive menu items, and $0 delivery fees year-round. Get more from the neighborhood now with Dash Pass and the DoorDash app. And stay cool out there. Terms and, terms and conditions apply. It's time for Call a Roulette. You know the rules. Don't ask us how we are. We're good. I don't want to hear any of that. Get in, say your name, and make your point, and ask the question. 888-729-3776. 888-SAY-ESPN. And don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Especially you, Line 5. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, Caller Roulette. I still haven't figured out the line five thing, but Bart said he's going to fill me in maybe after the show, keep me in the dark as long as possible. He's Bart Scott. I'm Jen Latta. We've been asking you all day long, what players are you most looking forward to watching in the preseason? The number, of course, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. All right, guys, let's go out to line... One. Peace. Peace to all my moors and moms across the world, BKJ in the building. Uh, my question for you all, I have two of them, but I'm going to go ahead and hit you with one and stay on topic. Um, the team that I'm most likely looking forward to see the most is the Denver Broncos. And the reason why is because of that wide receiver core. Um, I don't think that they get talked about a lot with Hamilton, KJ Hamlin, and uh, a couple of other guys well, over there. And I don't even Sutton think I, Jerry, I, I, I Jerry think Judy. They got Jerry Judy. You got Sutton that's coming back out of uh, from injury. I think they they go four deep and Noah Fant, who is one of the fastest tight ends in the game. No, I'm with you. Right. So my 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 question is with Drew Luck and them seeing what they have, would it would it be a no brainer for them to put Teddy Bridgewater just to be able to get these passes down the field to these uh, athletes? 
Well, remember Teddy Bridgewater, the, the knock on him is the fact that he wouldn't push the ball down the field. He was a little bit too conservative. I think when he went to New Orleans a couple of years ago, he started to push the ball down the field because he understood that was the narrative. And then when he went to Carolina, he's decided to start taking more risk. Remember, Alex Smith used to be like that. And he, his game changed when they drafted Patty Mahomes and he knew that he had to push the ball down the field. I think that's the safe way to get the best assessment because we assume that Teddy Bridgewater is just a – bridge um, to, to the future quarterback, which is, we think, in A-Ron. All right, let's continue here with Caller Roulette on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Guys, spin the wheel. Let's go out to line three. Line three. Yeah, Pablo from PA, Philadelphia. What's up? I need I need to know what's up with uh, Ben Simmons, man. It, it, is it is it fixable in Philly? Can he play this year? Uh, man, I mean, we, we just saw, like, Carson Wentz have to get shipped out. Not everybody's built to handle the scrutiny and the criticism in Philadelphia. And it looks like Ben Simmons has played his last game there. I don't know if it is fixable because I don't know, you know, a guy that's only, you know, probably attempted – 10 more three-pointers than me can really play unless he wants to be a small forward and not be the point guard. I think they need a point guard that can score and facilitate as well. Um, At this point, I don't think he has the support of Joel Embiid. I think Doc Rivers is not a guy that he drafted, so he he has no horse in the race. It's about Philadelphia realizing that he's not Wilt Chamberlain. You're not going to get a James Harden um, return you know, for Ben Simmons. I think it's almost laughable now that last year that Philly kind of turned down the opportunity for a one-for-one trade, James Harden for uh, Ben Simmons. If you missed Bart's rankings earlier in the show, he ranked his top five players not in the Hall of Fame. That, of course, because this weekend is the Hall of Fame enshrinement in Canton. Hall of Fame game taking place tonight between the Cowboys and the Steelers. You can check out his rankings in the KJZ podcast. Bart's rankings are brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today, 877-ASK-DELL. Hall of Fame game tonight. We will continue doing Caller Roulette here on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and of course your smart speakers. Go ahead and spin the wheel. Let's go out to line two very quickly. Line two. Yeah, this is Tim in Ohio. I, I hope that Joe Burrow, after last season's uh after last year's season-ending injury. Hope he makes a good comeback this year. I mean, I think, listen, they've done a great job. It's time for Williams to step up and prove that he's a number one lineman. But you think about going out and get uh, Gerard Chase. You think about T. Higgins. Uh, I believe T. Higgins out there. I'm not, I'm not sure of the other uh, receivers. But you know, he has a nice receiving squad out there, and he should be able to shine. Burrow, one of those guys, you and I were talking earlier in the show about how much weight you should put on preseason numbers or training camp numbers, right? Yeah. He went like 5 of 11 or 5 of 13 or something like that. People were like, ah, Joe Burrow not looking too good. Should we panic? Bart, you say no. Don't worry about that. You don't know what yeah. they're installing. You don't know what the goal is of each workout. Just take a breath. Absolutely. Enjoy the game tonight, guys. He's Bart Scott. I'm Jen Latta. Thanks for watching Keyshawn, J. J. Will, and Zubin. I'll holla.